the J Talk podcast. Yosh, 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 yosh. Hello and welcome to the J Talk podcast. Ben Maxwell and Johnny Nickel with you. And Johnny, 10 teams down and 10 to go. Uh, this week, of course, we'll be uh, previewing another five teams in our J1 season previews. Uh, how are you this week? Uh, I'm glad, glad to see my, my early season curse is already working on, on Hiroshima, who went down to a defeat to, to Gamba at the weekend. But hopefully we'll not be cursing too many more teams th- 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 this week. And yeah, uh, I've always had a, uh, yeah, I've always had a fond feeling for, for Kyushu. So I'm very happy to be talking about a couple of the, the teams from there uh, th- this week. So yeah, yeah, re- really looking forward to this, this upcoming podcast. Uh, how about yourself, Ben? How, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, thanks, Johnny. And uh, yeah, thanks for uh, clearing your calendar for a recording session on a Sunday night for a change. We had uh, three guests scheduled for our uh, podcast this week, so we thought it it better to split the recording over two nights. Uh, On this episode uh, 3A of our J1 season previews, we're taking a a little trip down to Kyushu to preview Avispa Fukuoka and uh, Sagan Tosu. Uh, Unfortunately, one of our scheduled guests, uh, Daniel Hawkins, who we uh, had hoped to have on to chat about uh, Avispa, uh, has had to be a late scratching uh, on uh, Sunday evening. So uh, Johnny and I were obviously very sorry to hear that. But uh, yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be sure to catch up with uh, Daniel and get his thoughts on uh, on Avispa uh, early on in the new campaign. But uh, yeah, without any further ado, Johnny, let's uh, crack on and uh, do our best to preview uh, Avispa Fukuoka's 2024 season. Of course, as we've been doing with all our clubs uh, to this point, we'll uh, look back briefly on the club's 2023 campaign. And uh, for Avispa, it could hardly have gone any better. A, uh, a superb season and a tremendous leap of seven spots up the table, uh, defying pre-season predictions of a relegation scrap to earn a club best seventh place finish in J1, uh, topped off by a 2-1 triumph over Urawa in the Levane Cup final, the club's first ever major trophy. Uh, They spent uh, seven rounds in the bottom half of the table in mid-season, but otherwise were top half pretty much all the way. Uh, Their 37 league goals was fourth lowest in J1, while their 43 goals against was middle of the pack. I mentioned that they won the Levane Cup. Of course, they also made the semi-finals of the Emperor's Cup, losing two eventual winners, Kawasaki. So, uh, Johnny, it well, it could hardly have gone any better. Uh, I know I had them struggling mightily in my JPRED last year, and, um, yeah, I wasn't the only one whose uh, expectations they defied. Yeah, me, me too. It was absolutely fantastic stuff to see. I, I know, like in the in the 90s, that they had a, a decent run, well, not the, the, of uh, kind of consecutive years in in J1. I think it was six years from 96 to 2001, and they're now going into the, their fourth fourth consecutive season of J1 football, and that's their second top half finish in three years. The, the only the only two top half finishes of, in J1 in the, their entire history, and add to that their, their first major major title success with the Levan Cup. Absolutely fantastic stuff, and you know I think you mentioned some of those stats, um, which obviously very very interesting. That the goals scored was an issue that I think was probably the issue that had people putting them a lot lower in in the league than they actually ended up finishing, and I think you know penalties actually fe- featured quite highly in that goals for column, but but they got enough goals scored, and I think goals against is slightly misleading if if you sort of remember that they got a couple of thrashings at the end of the season by by Marinos and Kawasaki. I think for for the most part, defence was actually pr- pretty solid. 
and you know that that, that obviously provided the foundation as as it's done for the the three years in in J1 for for them to, to kind of push on, and yeah, I think you know you mentioned that they jumped up seven places. I think for, from the previous year in in J1, it was just um, Vissel and Fukuoka were the the only two teams. Um, who moved up from the bottom half in the previous year to the the top half last year? Mm. Vissel, of course, went went on to be champions, and Fukuoka jumped up seven places and won the Levan Cup. So, I mean, th- there is a certain sort of consistency in in J1, but you know, but when when teams change change course, it can often be very dramatic. And yeah, it was, it was very pleasing to see for the kind of long suffering supporters in Fukuoka to get a bit of a footballing success in the town. Yes, indeed. And well, along that line, uh, along those lines, uh, sorry, Johnny, oh, there, we might uh, uh, answer Brett Bobby Sud's question uh, now. It's an interesting one and um, definitely one that we would have liked to have asked Daniel. So um, I've, uh, I've just taken the, uh, uh, the opportunity to, to message Daniel and uh, thankfully he's gotten back to us uh, before we've started recording. So uh, Brett wonders uh, how big of a boost uh, or a lack of one, uh, does a Kyushu-based club having a successful season like Avispa did in 2023 give the J-League in terms of uh, national popularity? Now, um, I, for for me personally, I don't think, um, and not just the fact that we've uh, invented this uh, this rivalry between FC Tokyo and, and Fukuoka uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, the English-speaking uh, J-League community, I, I don't think uh, as a, a Tokyo supporter, Avispa doing well necessarily helps the, uh, the the J League um, say in Tohoku or in Hokkaido it doesn't make um, yeah it doesn't make kids there uh, suddenly start uh, to be interested in the J League because Fukuoka is doing well but I mean yeah clearly it has had an impact in in Fukuoka and Daniel was there last year uh, to uh, yeah to see that evidence for himself so in answer to Brett's question Daniel has uh, has texted me to say it's definitely a boost for Fukuoka having uh, the season that they did. He was over there at at Christmas and New Year when the Asian Cup started and in the pub where he watched a couple of games, uh, a few locals were talking about Avispa and he'd never heard that in the years that he's been visiting Fukuoka. So um, yeah, in and around Kyushu, I think it's it's had an an effect, a positive effect, Brett. Um, Yeah, I mean, we know that... uh, the uh, the SoftBank Hawks are the, uh, the the big ticket item in Fukuoka, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean Avispa definitely. Um, well, I think they raised some eyebrows, but they definitely got a lot more attention last year with their uh, positive results in the cups and of course in the league uh, as well. So thanks for your question, Brett. A a very thoughtful one, and Daniel, thanks for your answer. Uh, we have a question from Sam Robson to come later in the Fukuoka section. And again, Daniel's been kind enough to text me his answer. So we'll get to that later. Just one more thing I wanted to check in with you on their 2023, Johnny. And I don't want to take anything away from their league campaign, although the, uh, the stats I'm going to give you probably sounds like um, I'm trying to. But I mean, yeah, 37 goals and 15 wins. I mentioned last week they had the uh, the reverse record of of Kashiwa. Uh, Kashiwa won six games and drew 15. Uh, uh, Avispa won 15 and drew six. So I wonder um, if they were, again, this is um, might sound like sour grapes from an FC Tokyo supporter who finished many, many spots in the table below Avispa, but were they a fraction fortunate to win as many games as they did? I mean, 13 of their 15 wins were by the odd goal. 
Um, and, you know, I appreciate most games of football finish 1-0, 2-1, etc., etc. But they only won two games by more than a single goal last year. And I wonder, um, yeah, given the, the, the swings and roundabouts we get in the J-League, whether Avispa might have uh, start having a little less luck and Q, uh, Kashiwa might be, uh, might be due for a little bit more luck uh, in, in this new season. Yeah, I don't want to step in the toes of my answer. I'm going to give later to, to Sam's question too, too much here, but it does very much seem like uh, Fukuoka and Raysal are kind of mirror images of each other. It's a bit like, like Jubilo and Yokohama FC haven't been in the same division for years because one goes up and one goes down. But yeah, Fukuoka in the top half and Kashiro in the bottom, and then it sort of switches around the next year. And yeah, I, I think I think you're quite right to, to point that out because there's probably a lot of teams like Kashiro, one of them we, we covered in the, in the preview that, there's several games where they um, they did a lot, they almost did everything they could to, to win the game other than stick the ball in the back of the net, and that's ultimately come back to haunt them. Whereas, whereas Fukuoka, you know, with with their solid defence, they're always going to stay in games. But then you do have to actually score goals and also avoid conceding. You know, someone just drilling the ball into the box and giving away a handball penalty or the ball deflecting wildly past the goalkeeper. As, as good as you may be, you're always at the kind of the mercy of the the gods at times. And yeah, I think Fukuoka had a, had a really good season. I think they won one one bad run and they bounced back well from that. And then they, they really built up ahead of steam towards towards the end and, and deservedly got got the best ever you know best ever finish. Other teams like you know our teams and and Kawasaki Kashiwa that were left floundering. But yeah, J League. There's yeah, some teams have more money than others. Some teams have have more star players, but the, the, the playing field is obviously much more level, I think, here than it is in, in a lot of European leagues. So it doesn't take an awful lot to change what might have been a, a 12th place season into a 7th place or vice versa, you know, a 6th or 7th down to a 13th or 14th, that, that the margins are quite thin. So, yeah, I, I don't want to feel like we're, we're taking anything away from Fukuoka. They, 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 they know who they are, that there's no pretense about them. They, they did a good job. They, they recruited well. They're well drilled by, by Hasebe. But yeah, um, I'll, I'll develop a bit more later. But I think probably even the, the like a lot of the more passionate Fukuoka fans would probably have to, to admit that finishing seventh again, and um, with the resources they have, would would be a would probably be an even better achievement than finishing seventh last year. Right. Yes, indeed. All right then. So uh, let's move on to their uh, activity in the transfer window. And well, yeah, they've. Uh, we wondered where the goals were going to come from last year. Well, 10 of their 37 came from Yuya Yamagishi. And unfortunately for Fukuoka, he has left the club and headed to Nagoya. Uh, Yamagishi, very important. Or well, it goes without saying, he scored uh, over uh, a quarter of their league goals. But yeah, started every game and um, his boots will be very uh, difficult to fill, I'm sure. Uh, another five goals have uh, walked out the door with uh, Lukian, the um, yeah enigmatic striker, has uh, headed to Shonan. While uh, I'm sure all Fukuoka supporters were braced for this news at the end of the season, but yes, of course, Yosuke Idaguchi, who was on loan from Celtic, has um, in this uh, in this winter completed a full transfer to uh, to Vissel Kobe. So um, yeah, Idaguchi was important for Fukuoka while he was there, but uh, yeah, I guess they uh, they probably knew they weren't going to be able to hang on to him uh, into the new campaign. So. Um, well, Johnny, yeah, you can share your thoughts on what sort of a, um, gaps those uh, three in particular will leave. And if there's anybody I've left out who you wanted to mention, uh, yeah, p- 
please feel free. And if you like, you can segue onto the uh, the, the transfers in uh, yourself. Yeah, I think I think Fukuoka massively compared to some other teams, especially some we'll come on to next week. Uh, quite not, not a ton of transfer business. I think there have been a few moves in and a few out, but I think you're right to highlight that there's three out and then there's basically three in who are, who are almost going kind to of direct replacements for, for mm. the three that have left. Mm. Um, yeah, Yamagishi, again, we, we'll talk about him here and then obviously we'll, we'll talk about more next week when we, we come on to, to Nagoya. You know, I think his combination with, with Hasebe um, as coach has been really great because I think he, he had like a, a one in six goal scoring ratio in, in J2 and then since coming to Fukuoka it's been a, been a one in three and he's hit his first two double digit seasons in the last two years and yeah, whether playing as a centre forward or, or, or just, just off on, on either side he's really been a, been a fantastic player and a, a really consistent goal threat for them. And I, I feel like, yeah, I really have liked to get, get Daniel's thoughts on, on this as a, as a Fukuoka fan, as kind of from the outside, I, I feel like you know, there's been interest in Yamagishi before. I think there's been offers accepted, including, I think, from, from Gamba, and he, Yamagishi himself has turned down the moves. But probably after the season they've had, it's the, the best ever finish in the league. They've won the Levan Cup, and then he's finished with back-to-back 10-goal seasons. And at his age of, of 30... He's probably thinking, you know, I, I assume he's getting a, a decent pay, pay rise to go to Nagoya. Even if he stayed at Fukuoka this year, um, scored 10 goals again, he'd probably get significantly less if he moved to Nagoya at the age of 31 and 30. It's kind of on that tipping point. So I think, you know, from my, my vantage point, I can't really I can't really begrudge him moving on. Whether the Fukuoka fans feel, feel the same way, we'll, we'll need to, to find out. Um, Lucian, you mentioned you have five goals, but he only scored three the, the year before that. So eight goals in two years for someone you were expecting a bit more from. He, he, he was kind of strange in that I expected him to just come and score goals, whereas he came in and his all-round play was actually better than I thought it was going to be, but he just didn't get the goals. A bit like a bit like Juan Madelgado before him, very prolific in J2, but and, and quite impressive all-round play in J1, just not, not getting on the score sheet. And then, yeah, I think Idiguchi would have been expected. And as a kind of olive branch, I I would say that as impressive as he was, especially in that back end of the season, he's a very injury-prone player. And he did miss a chunk of time uh, last season through injury. And you you could predict, had he stayed, he probably would have missed a bit of time this season through injury too. So Mm. three three losses, especially Yamagishi and Idiguchi, two of the first names in the team sheet, they, they are losses. And then the the replacements, um, a Sam Robson favourite, Daiki Matsuoka. I, I really really like this transfer, um, because I think you know Matsuoka he broke through and impressed us all at, at Tosu, but it seems like he's been really badly advised. Um, I think the move from from uh, Tosu to, to Shimizu, I'm sure you get more money at Shimizu, but at the time footballing wise, it was at best a sideways move, and ultimately it proved to be a, a backward step, and then. He's gone to Brazil. Hopefully that's improved his game because he hasn't seen much playing minutes in, in Serie B. He was on the bench a lot, didn't play. Um, so, yeah, I really like this. I think he's got a good coach in Hasebe to kind of resuscitate his career. I did mention Idiguchi potentially being injured. Matsuoka is still young enough to go to the Paris Olympics, so he could miss a bit of time this season. And then they've got young Masato Shigemi, who kind of filled in in a crisis last year in his final year of uh, Fukuoka University. He, he's come in full-time, so... He'll be able to partner Maya if, if Matsuoka is missing any games. And then kind of on to the attack, where we've got uh, Yuto Iwasaki's come in from, from Tosu. 
and uh, Nassim Ben Khalifa in from Hiroshima. So mm. start, starting with with I- Iwasaki, uh, is a, yeah. Again, we'll talk about him later in this podcast when we talk about Sagan Tosu. But very very hardworking player. Um, I, I like him a lot. Doesn't get a whole lot of output in terms of goals and assists, which I'm going to come back to in a second. Ben Khalifa, yeah, that Daniel mentioned in our, in our little chat in line, he looked forward to the discussion on this. So I, I'm quite positive about this. I know there's going to be people listening that are not so positive, but pl- please hear me out. He, he didn't, you know, he didn't live up to expectations at Hiroshima in terms of goal scoring, but I think he's a better all-round player than, than Lukian uh, and also Delgado in terms of his, his all-round play. Um, and yeah, look, Yang got eight goals in two, two J1 seasons. Juan Madelgado scored nine goals in two J1 seasons. So it's not like Ben Khalifa needs to shift heaven and earth to, to impress in the goal scoring ranks. And I think his all round play is, is going to be a, a step up, which combined with Iwasaki and Kono gives you a front three that are very, very good at creating chances and space for others, but not amazing at taking the chances themselves. So I, I've got a lot of faith in Conno because he finished the season great guns. I think four goals and two assists in his last 10, 10 games. Um, and he was brilliant in the Levan Cup final against Urawa. If Conno can step up and get close to double digits to fill in the, the Yamagishi void, then I think a combination of Ben Khalifa, Iwasaki, and then you've got Sato to come back from injury, Wellington, which is his birthday today. I just noticed uh, Tsurano in the midfielders. I think they can, they can chip in with goals. But it is a very valid question at this point, you know, if, if Connor gets injured or something happens, where are the goals coming from? You know, it, you've had, you've obviously, you, you've had Connor at, at FC Tokyo, Ben. And mm. um, you think, is he capable of getting double digit figures? And, and do you have anything else to add on, on the kind of Ben Khalifa debate? I think Ben Khalifa probably will relish a, a, a fresh start, but yeah, um, I don't think Fukuoka ex, uh, supporters have ma- will have ma- massive expectations of him as he arrives, and that's probably going to work to his benefit because uh, yeah, I think it's only seven uh, seven goals in the, the la- league goals in the last two seasons for Hiroshima, just two last year, and he didn't um, he hardly started at all in the second half of the year, so whether that was um, just a, a preference thing for, for Michael Skibber, or whether he just wasn't quite right uh, physically for for most of the second half of the campaign, I'm not sure, but uh, well, a chance for him to uh, to to reinvent himself, I guess, in the J-League, because I think, yeah, most people's opinions will probably be similar to mine, that they um, that he just hasn't done the business yet. So it's his opportunity to prove uh, us all wrong. Yeah, Iwasaki is an interesting one. I mean, yeah, literally no goals at all last year in the league in 31 appearances, and all were starts. So, um, yeah, you're right to say he's, uh, his output certainly needs um, some improvement. And, yeah, Kondo is the um, the real ace up uh, Hasabe's sleeve now, and uh, an awful lot falls on his shoulders. And he's literally never had to be in this situation before. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he steps up. Um, yeah, just was never given a proper run in the team at Tokyo to to demonstrate whether he's good enough to, to carry a team on his uh, shoulders or not. So, um, yeah, I hope that he is because uh, he's a tremendously uh, exciting player to watch. Um uh, but uh, yeah, uh, a lot, uh, a lot to be determined, I think, for Fukuoka uh, in 2024, especially in attack. But yeah, Matsuoka is one of the more fascinating uh, transfers 
um, were back into the league uh, this year, I think, having spent uh, time with uh, Novorizontino in uh, Brazil. I've been practicing that for uh, for most <laughs> of the, the weekend up to this point, Johnny, and I think I've got it pretty much right. Um, so, yeah, uh, really, really interesting. Um, as you say, basically like-for-like like replacements for, um, yeah, uh, three key players that have left um Lukian, that might be uh, stretching it a little bit, the the, the definition uh, of that term. But anyway, yeah, the, the manager, Johnny, he's done a tremendous job. Obviously, he's uh, beginning his fifth season in charge at the Best Denki Stadium. Uh, of course, he hauled the, cl- uh, the club up the table from 16th to 2nd and automatic promotion from J2 in his first season in uh, 2020. Then an eighth place finish in their first season up in J1, um, slipped down to 14th, of course, in 2022, but yes, uh, was at the forefront of their leap back up the table. And uh, along with uh, Takuyuki Yoshida, was the only manager to win uh, the J-League's official manager of the month award twice last year. So, um, yeah, I guess he's, he has his critics, uh, Johnny, especially when results aren't going um, Fukuoka's way, where, uh, which is natural. But yeah, the the uh, the style of football, I guess he was uh, able to um, open them up a little bit more and they were able to express themselves uh, uh, slightly more last year than um, I guess their reputation coming into the season uh, suggested. They uh, improved their goal output by eight over the season before. But as we mentioned, uh, a lot of those goals have now left the club. So um, this is going to be a, an interesting challenge I think for him to bed um, these uh, three key signings in 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 place of the players that they've lost. Yeah, I think I think in some ways you can kind of compare Fukuoka to the discussion we had with Tom last week about Sapporo in that they come from a, in, in Japanese terms they come from a, a big city, one of the biggest cities in in the country, and there's strong competition from from the baseball team and and the football team has not been as, as successful and throughout its you know kind of history it's been in been in the second division much more than it's been in the first division. And they're currently at a kind of historic high point in, in the club's kind of history. So there's always that kind of, you know, that feeling in the back of, as, as Tom said last week, some of the more long-term supporters, like this could very quickly turn the road back into, you know, 16th and J2 very quickly. But a lot of the new fans who have been brought on board or have only really known much better days in Fukuoka would be saying, you know, we've been in the top 10, top top nine, top 10 the, the, uh, two times in the last three seasons. We've won a trophy now. We should be kicking on, which which I think has some validity to it. But then you kind of look behind you and you see some of the you know like Kawasaki Serizo right behind them, FC Tokyo, Gamba, Kashiwa. It's not easy to you can finish ahead of like one or two of those teams in a, a given year with the kind of budget for Coca half. Finishing ahead of all of them in one year is is, is quite tough. And then you look ahead, you think oh, which of those teams could be really realistically overtaken a, a regular basis. So. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of, of Hasebe. It's, it's not always the most beautiful or easy to eye, easy on the eye uh, f- football to watch, but he's very, very pragmatic. He gets the best out of kind of um, the players and, and squads that, that may have certain limits. Um, I think in terms of Fukuoka as a club, they, they seem to scout quite well, bringing kind of you know players in from, from J2, and also you'll see a few players. I think they brought in two players from Fukuoka University that, this year, and there's another one joining next year. There's a few kind of high schools around. They've got Fukuoka youth. I think they've got that kind of sorted. In terms of you know you know bringing in foreign players, has been a bit more hit and miss. They have very much had some some hits with the likes of you know Douglas Grawley, who's who's still in the squad. Um, 
I think, you know, I, I do wonder about what the exact budget is, because if, if I look at the squad now, even if I'm quite, you know, a, a bit like Niigata before, I'm quite glass half full about the attack. Um, I still think they're missing a player or two from that squad. It does look very, very thin. And I just kind of jotted down a couple of names um, before we're kind of preparing. You know, we said, we, Alan told us with, with Cerezo that they were not too keen in keeping Jordi Crew this year. He always had a good spell with with um, Fukuoka a couple of years ago. Maybe someone they could get back, or we'll, we'll talk with Neil t- tomorrow about um, Kawasaki and that they're very stacked in midfield. And Daya Tono had a very, you know, he, he had a good um, a good loan spell when when Fukuoka got promoted, or even someone like Hideki Ishige at Gamba. Mm. I think you know it would be good to see. I don't know where the budget extends uh, to bring in one of those kind of players or. If they have a contact overseas to to, to bring someone in from from Brazil or Europe, I don't I don't know. I I feel like that that would be kind of the, the next step they have to take. But there's no doubt, you know, Hasebe is is established and almost kind of godlike figure at the club with with what he's done, and yeah, f- fair play to him. I think that probably helps. You mentioned with um, you know, Ben Khalifa, the expectations are pretty low. So if he comes in and scores seven goals, like you know, happy days. He's he's done his job. I think. Has to be, you know, if there was a bit of a regression again, like there was two years ago, he's the coach to ride that. I, I don't think there's going to be a banners calling for him to be removed if they finish 15th or something this year. So, mm. yeah, I think expectations were realistic and they've got a good kind of experienced pair of hands on the wheel. So, yeah, big fan of, of Hasebe. And even if it's not always brilliant to watch at, at, at times, I, I think, yeah, yeah, Fukuoka and, and safe hands. Yeah, terrific stuff, Johnny. I mean, it's a results-based business, and um, yeah, you can't argue with what uh, Shigetoshi Hasebe has done at uh, Avispa in uh, his time in charge. And uh, yeah, all the Fukuoka supporters obviously hoping that the good times will continue to roll uh, in this new season. Now, uh, let's move on to our ones to watch, and um, I'll go first, if you don't mind, Johnny. Um, It's a player that you mentioned earlier, Fukuoka will be getting back from injury at some point early in the season. Um, he might be out until uh, May or so, but yeah, hopefully uh, Ryoga Sato can get back and uh, do his bit to um, yeah to to contribute to the attack that I think yeah we've both got some concerns about. But um, yeah, if uh, Sato can return uh, and um, yeah, I guess pick up where he left off as he was in a, a pretty good run of uh, form before injury, unfortunately, uh, curtailed his uh, second half of the season. Um, he uh, transferred from Tokyo Verde at the end of the 2022 season, uh, Sato. He only started four times in the first half of the season and uh, didn't score his first goal for the club until the well, the last game of the first half of the season. But then, yes, yeah, started seven of the nine games he appeared in in the second half of the year, scoring three more goals uh, before his season was uh, prematurely ended by injury, as I mentioned. And, uh, yeah, a serious knee injury that he he's uh, rehabilitating at the moment. And, uh, yeah, hopefully he'll be back, um, well, uh, yeah, around May, or if he can manage to get a, a little bit ahead of schedule, um, that would be good. With Obviously, with Yamagishi and Luke Young gone, of uh, players still at the club, only Kazuya Kondo with uh, five scored more league goals than Sato in uh, in 2023. So a lot of responsibility will be on his shoulders once he returns. I guess, yeah, the club will have to be careful with him and, and not rush him back 
um, too soon. But, uh, yeah, once he's up to speed, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing him kick on this year. Uh, Johnny, I don't know, you might have been expecting me to pick Connell there. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, I hope I haven't nicked Sato off you. But, uh, yeah, who's your one to watch for uh, for Fukuoka? Well, I'm going to elevate Connell like I did with Yota Komi to, to be a sort of league-wide one to watch. I, I think he yeah he was fantastic at the end of last season. So, yeah, anyone watching the J-League, keep, keep, an eye, keep an eye on this guy. The, the one I'd actually gone in, in the, the tradition of, of Sam Robson was, was Daiki Matsuoka. Like I, like I mentioned before, I think he's, he's made a couple of questionable decisions in, in his career. But I, I believe this move to Fukuoka is, is exactly the, the kind of shot in the arm his career needs. He's not he's not exactly the same player as, as Idaguchi, so I think how he how he beds in and, and forms a partnership with with Maya will, will, will be crucial. You know, at, at Sagan Tosa, he was very good at, at very quickly moving the ball forward to, to players with real flair up front, and I think you know that, that um, the Vispa front three that they're going to need all the help they can get. So get, getting some bullets passed through from, from midfield from Matsuoka will, will definitely help. If he's not quite as, as dynamic kind of getting around the field and, and winning the ball back like Idiguchi. I do think Matt Maia can do a lot of the dirty work and Matsuoka can do a lot of the passing and that that, that really has the, the the look to me of a, a, a really good partnership and one that I think that can be the bedrock of, of a good season for, for Fukuoka. So yeah, Kazuya Kono league-wide, uh, Johnny's one to watch, number two. And then Daiki Matsuoka, yeah, Fukuoka one to watch for me. All right, tremendous stuff. And uh, you mentioned Sam Robson there. So uh, let's um, begin to wrap up Fukuoka by talking about a, their overall prospects for the year ahead uh, with a question from Sam. Uh, after an incredible season last year, what is the target for this season? Is it to match last season or is there a belief around the club that they could break into the top six? Obviously, I'd sent this question to Daniel in the week and um, uh, Daniel's answer was it'll be hard to better last season. He thinks the aim should be to consolidate a top third of the table place. Uh, hopefully keep the strong defence but start to spark up front with uh, Ben Khalifa, uh, Iwasaki and uh, Konno of course, so uh, I'll uh, I'll let you go, and then I'll, I'll I guess I'll wrap the wrap wrap things up uh, from uh, from our end, uh, Johnny. So yeah, what what is your overall expectations uh, slash slash prospects for the club in twenty twenty four? Um, I think t- top half somewhere is a is a realistic goal, and also do, doing well in the cups would also be be quite realistic. Um, I think though to to achieve that, it is going to require you know the, the goals are going to have to come from from somewhere. And I think they're going to have to be quite lucky with with injuries because the squad does look a bit a bit threadbare in places. But you know, with with the defence they've got, all, all the you know Mia and Nara, uh, a slightly aging Grolly, that they're all still there. So get two goalkeepers he uses, and then like I said, that that Maya and Matsuoka partnership in midfield should be good. And he's got wing backs he, he trusts, so it's a very solid base to build from. So they're going to be nowhere near relegation, and they're not going to be anyone's J-Pred at either end of the table. But, yeah, I think the question is where the goal is coming from. If they find a solution to that problem, yeah, why not 8th, ninth, 10th? I think somewhere in the, the bottom half of the top half. Um, if the goals don't quite flow, then, you know, anywhere in that 11th to 15th zone, I think they, they could find themselves. The teams that get, go down tend to be, like, terrible at both things or, like, really, really bad defensively. And Fukuoka are so good defensively on most occasions that, that they're going to be nowhere near the, the, the bottom. But... As Daniel said, it was very, very hard to to equal or or top what they did last season. So somewhere around the middle is is kind of my my prediction. But what about yourself? 
I concur. Yeah, I think they'll probably finish midway between the, the, the places they rose up the table last year. So, yeah, I mean, they might meet uh, Kashua in the middle, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. I referenced them early on um, you know, with their contrasting records in 2024. Maybe some of the luck will uh, start to even out. Um, and, yeah, I'd expect, uh, yeah, Fukuoka to yeah be 10th 11th or so but uh, again they defied everyone's expectations last year so uh, who's to say they can't do it again for me in answer direct answer to sam's question yeah i think top six is um uh, well i would say pie in the sky but i mean they finished one place off there uh, last year didn't they so it, it is attainable but uh, i'm not sure they have the uh, the personnel to sustain a, uh, a top six challenge uh, but uh, yeah a, another run in uh, in the cups is certainly not out of the question again so it uh, it does promise to be a really exciting season again for Avispa supporters as they look to uh, to match or better uh, last year's tremendous campaign all right then so to uh, just to the uh, west of Fukuoka Prefecture is, of course, Saga, where we can find uh, Sagan Tosu. And uh, it was another season of defying expectations at the quaintly named real estate agent in front of the station stadium. Uh, Tosu finished 14th in their 12th consecutive season in the top flight. Uh, after a stunning 5-1 home defeat at the hands of uh, Shonan on opening day, they gradually worked their way up the table and spent five rounds in the top half around the midway point of the season, including uh, wrapping up a 7-5 aggregate win over Shonan by winning uh, the reverse fixture 6-0 away. But uh, uh, they only won two further games in the rest of the year. Uh, their 43 goals scored was the joint fifth best but they conceded 47, which was a joint fifth worst. Uh, very appropriate as they finished fifth from bottom. Uh, Yoichi Naganuma led the way with the 10 goals in a breakout season, while the now-departed Yuji Ono chipped in with nine. And uh, up the other end, Park Il-Gyu was by far the most overworked goalkeeper in the league according to the j-league's official stats uh, they have him as uh, making 132 saves last season that is a whopping 37 more than a second placed song boom kyun of shonan so uh johnny uh, yeah another really interesting season for this uh, this project that Totosu has become and uh, you could definitely win a bar bet the fact that they've never been relegated from uh, from J1 since they uh, since they were promoted one of only three clubs still in the top flight to have never been relegated and um yeah they uh, as i said right at the start they they just continue to defy expectations well, since this is the first time we've talked about them in, in 2024, I need to put my usual disclaimer out that I, I actually quite like Sagan Tosu, even though due to performances at the end of last season, I was very negative about them. But I think they're a very, very likeable club, but I re- always like their uniform when they go into soccer shop camel. And yeah, as you say, fight, fighting against the odds to stay in J1 for, for, for many, many a year. And yeah, they've got their, their comically named stadium. Usually it's a high energy game when you watch Sagan Tosu. Unusual things can happen. A lot of good players have come through through the ranks. A lot of good managers as well. So always one to watch. But yeah, like you said, last season was a very very good start. But 
like the season before, they, they rather ran out of steam in the summer and in the later months. And I think yeah, just what one win in their last last 14 games. And yeah, you mentioned that the actual stats are like fifth best goal scorers, fifth worst defence. But you know, a couple of other stats I'd throw out that they ranked 18th for both them um, number of shots on goal and number of shots um, against, uh, and also the on target figures for for both of those. Um, and then that they were also 18th for for expected goals for and 18th for expected goals against. And and you rightly <laughs> pointed out my 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 favourite Parky Ogier. He certainly earned his corn corn last year. And if I remember correctly, he was our he was our J1 goalkeeper of the year, and and, and rightly so for a, a phenomenal effort. But you know it's it's a bit like a boxer defending with his with his face. It's it's only sustainable for for so long. And you know, you, you mentioned what we mentioned together about about Fukuoka. You know the number of kind of one nil wins or just getting the rub of the green. Tossu were, were very much in that that category. So I I have the feeling yeah, there's gonna be a lot of hard work needs to have gone in this um this winter and and hopefully they don't go off to another disastrous start like they did um like they did last year with a five one defeat. But yeah, I've 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 said some nice things right at the very beginning. But Sagan Tosu, I get the feeling I'm gonna be talking about them quite negatively more often than not that this year. Even though they're they're a lovely lovely club and I, I really like really like the kit, one of my favourites in the league. Yeah, they I guess they developed a little bit of a cult following. Um, they're by far the, the the smallest club in the top flight and basically have been yeah since they they were promoted for the first time. They spent a number of years in J two and um, yeah were promoted with uh, with with FC Tokyo and uh, Sapporo back up to uh, to J one. Uh, at the end of the uh, the 2011 season, and uh, as we've said, ever since then they've uh, they've been a fixture in the top flight. They've had some uh, yeah close shaves um, here and there over the years, but they also have two fifth place finishes uh, in the top flight in their time in in J1. So yeah, they've um, they've experienced definitely some uh, some highs and lows. And uh, well, what they've managed to do this year, Johnny, uh, considering how they usually pillaged uh, of their best players. Obviously, if uh, if players emerge, um, they have a terrific rep- reputation for bringing uh, younger players through or giving uh, players a second chance and getting them, uh, giving them an opportunity to prove themselves, and then um, usually find that they're uh, yeah they're rated for their their best players. This year, um, for me, the the really the only ones that I w- was able to pick out was uh, Yuto Iwasaki, who we've just mentioned, uh, moving to Fukuoka, and uh, Yuji Ono who uh, scored uh, nine goals, of course, last year. And uh, we spoke about his uh, move to uh, Niigata last week. Um, Shinya Nakano has joined Gamba on a, a permanent deal after his uh, his loan last season. But, yeah, I'm sure the um, the, the club weren't counting on uh, having Nakano back. And, uh, yeah, that permanent uh, transfer was just a formality. But, um, yeah, overall, uh, obviously, you know, in similar vein to to Kawasaki, I suppose, when you talk about the size of the club is obviously vastly different, and you know the the honors, etc. But um, the 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 number and the quality of player that they've lost uh, over the past few seasons, um, for for most clubs it would be a death knell. But they're usually able to bring uh, newer players through, and that will be a challenge again for for Kenta Kawai this year. But yes, they haven't been. Um, they haven't been pillaged uh, too badly this off-season, have they? Yeah, I think uh, what I really wanted to say about the outs is I think two of the biggest names are two players that I expected to be in that list are not there, and that's um, Kawahara and a player you, you, you mentioned at the very start there, and Naganuma. 
Um, yeah, Ka- Kawahara. I think they, they announced them both on the on the same day that they were staying, and immediately my my negativity kicked in and thought, yeah, yeah, if they're there at the end of the season, that's good. But I, I kind of got the feeling, you know, Kawahara has the look of a a Kashima mid-season signing, and Naganuma t- ten goals last season, but he'd never scored more than two. In, in any previous year, a very versatile, very, very good player. So I think if he starts the season well, it will be very tough to hold on to him. So there might be a couple more key additions to add in when we get into uh, into summer, into that out column. Um, I think one player you didn't mention was the, the centre-back Huang Suk Ho, who, who's now kind of getting to the, the veteran stage. But when we get into the ins, we'll see his his experience hasn't really been been replaced. He, he missed a chunk of time, I think, at the start of, of last season. Um, and then when he came back in, it didn't really seem to massively improve the team in terms of of results. But I think, yeah, he will be a big loss you know, on and especially off the field, his experience and his, his influence potentially in, in the dressing room. Um, and then, yeah, there's not, not too many major departures. So, you know, m- maybe those those statistics I reeled off earlier, I think were, were weighing heavy in some clubs' minds. But I- Iwasaki, I think him and Naganuma could both play on either side. He was mostly on the... The left side of the a front three, and it, it feels a bit bizarre to say this about about someone who plays on the left side of a front three, but he'll almost be missed more for his defensive capabilities, like his ability to get back and get back up the field again, because you know Zagantos they don't have the money or the or the personnel to go toe to toe in terms of flair with the, the bigger teams, but they, they can and have outworked them in terms of like distance covered in, in sprints in the past, and yeah, oh no, I, I re- really like as as a player, but. I think he had nine goals last year. I think I said last week when we talked about Niigata, he'd really struggled to, to to top that. So, yeah, a few players have gone, but overall, I think I'm much more positive in terms of that they have kept, you know, two of their two of their gems, and obviously Park still still in goal. So, yeah, maybe maybe a small small few shoots of of optimism there in terms of they've not been as as decimated by departures as they have been in recent years. Indeed, indeed. And so to transfers in, again, the the pickings are fairly slim here, Johnny. And uh, I guess for me, uh, as a Tokyo supporter, uh, one I uh, noted with interest was uh, the uh, the FC Tokyo centre-back Seiji Kimura going on loan down to, uh, to Tosu. He, uh, he only made five league appearances last year, but did start three times. And um, is an interesting one for the future. But at 22, I mean... This is a really important season in his uh, development, I think. So, yeah, uh, hopefully he'll be able to come in and, um, yeah, get regular football and regular starts and prove that he is um, uh, that he belongs at this level. And, yeah, from a selfish perspective, hopefully he returns to Tokyo and um, and flourishes there uh, from, the, I guess, from 2025 on because, uh, yeah, Tokyo's centre-back uh, core is uh, definitely ageing. Uh, so, yeah, Kimura, if he can, as I say, if he can prove himself uh, in this uh, season on loan, then uh, hopefully he'll be able to return and uh, fly into action uh, for Tokyo from next season onwards. So um, there's a couple of other interesting names, I think, in the um, in the transfers in, Johnny. Um, some some names that, um, yeah, even casual observers of the J-League will, will recognise. But, um, yeah, I wonder how many of them do you think will actually prove to be uh, regular starters or, yeah, regular contributors to, uh, to to Tosu this year? 
I think for, for me, the, the standout in, in the attacking sense is uh, Hikaru Nakahara, who I guess is a is a replacement for, for Iwasaki, if if a, a different kind of player, which is what why I mentioned Iwasaki's defensive capabilities, because Nakahara, well, in his time in J2 with, with Verdi last season and before with, with Yamagata, when I believe he would have worked with Kenta Kawai for, for, for some, some time, um, very, very good, a very good dead ball specialist, scores goals, gets assists. But it just didn't quite happen at Cerezo. He got he got crowded out a bit. Didn't get a ton of starts in, in J1, even if he did all right in, in the cups. But yeah, I think this is a very good signing for for Tosu. Um, I, I not I think he'll maybe go on the right, and then Naganuma will switch over to the left. That they might switch it the other way. But interesting to see how that changes the balance in terms of you have a, a more attacking winger, but with less of the the physicality or defensive capabilities of the the player he's replacing in Iwasaki. I think Vinicius Araujo, I just cannot get my head around his career. Again, he, he worked with Kawhi at, at Yamagata and was, was really, really good for a couple of years. And then he didn't have a club for a bit and he signed with Machida late, had a terrible time there, went off to Qatar, did, did nothing. And then he was at Imabari, I think, 13 games and, and no goals last season in J3. And now he's up to J1. So, uh, yeah, former Brazil under 20 international. He's, he's obviously got, got pedigree, but you know, whether he's still got... You know, still got the fire in the belly to to do anything for Tosu remains to be seen. And, and Marcelo Hian, the, the other forwards coming from Yokohama FC, but very quick, but but very raw. I kind of think those two with the Cayman Togashi, I think you know, you're probably at no point in the season will you ever be able to pick out who's clearly the, the number one first choice forward. A bit like you sometimes have it like Kyoto, that they sort of rotate whoever's starting there. And yeah, they'll all play a, a bit. Whether they actually do anything remains to be seen. Um, defensively, yeah, you're right to pick out Kimura. I think, yeah, uh, he's definitely he's at he's at crossroads. I think he's he's one of these players I've known about for a few years, and he's always in national team uh, kind of uh, age level uh, call ups. Um, but he's had a couple of loan spells in J2 that haven't really worked out, including one at, at Yamagata. There's a there's a bit of a theme going on here with the Yamagata connection. But mm. yeah, it, it's very interesting because if he if he flops this season, there's often a, quite a thin line between having a contract at a big J1 club like FC Tokyo and then suddenly being, being in contract to a mid-table J2 side. I think he's kind of treading that line. So very interested to see how he gets on. And you know, you could almost make a case for Tosu fielding like a completely different back four this season because they've they brought in Marahashi from, from Serizo. What version of Marahashi they're getting, I'm not sure, because he was off in Thailand at the start of last season and didn't play when he came back. And then they've replaced him with someone the same age as him in the body Zato, so I don't know if they thought too much of his, his current abilities. And then you've got Kim Tae-hyun, who's come in. He was at Vigata Sendai on loan for the last couple of years from Busan Hyundai. Can play left-sided centre-back or, or left-back. Um, and there's a, yeah, there's a couple of other interesting players Katsunori Urebis is coming from Oita. I think he'll be a, a backup. But the, the right back, uh, Shiva Tafari Nagasawa, is coming from Kanto Gakuin, played a couple of games last year. And the reason I mention him, and I'll mention also um, Ryohei Watanabe from Hosei University, a, a holding midfielder, and Shota Hino, who scored a, a very fine own goal against Kawasaki at the back end of last season. He's uh, He stepped up at the end of his third third year from, from Takushoku University. The reason I mentioned those those university players is because there's been a big investment from Tosu trying to scout university players to to replace those the, the hordes they've lost over the past few years. Mm. And uh, with the exception of Kikuchi, who's found a home at, at left back, bizarrely, basically all of those players have ended up in J2 on, on loan. And 
a lot of them not particularly high like near the top of, of J2, so they've missed by quite a long range. So yeah, I'm not I'm not feeling too hot about Sagan Tosu, but that's really where the kind of improvement's gonna have to come from. If they can get two or even if they hit the jackpot and get all three of them become regular starters and, and good players, I think they can go places. But yeah, I think they need those university signings to pay off and they've got a lot of new defenders either young and or very much lacking in J1 experience, including the ones that have stayed on from, from the previous season. So, yeah, I think that there's a lot of transfers in, but there still are some, some holes and very interesting to see if if they can be, be filled. So, yeah, not not feeling too positive about Tosu, but not as negative as I might have thought I, I would be. Yeah, I mean it's um, just an indication of yeah some of the well the the quality of the players that they've had over uh, the, the last few seasons. I was just leafing through uh, my uh, my J Talk records, Johnny, and their uh, their 2021 player of the season was uh, Yuta Higuchi. Uh, of course, he left in that off season to join Kashima. He was succeeded by Kei Koizumi, who uh, moved uh, to FC Tokyo at the end of uh, the 2022 season, uh, but. Uh, the award is not a poison chalice because uh, last year we gave it to Park Il-Gyu, uh, of course, and he's uh, still at the club. But, um, yeah, I mean, they uh, are often uh, picked over. There's no doubt about that by uh, by some of the uh, the the bigger clubs. And um, it'll be interesting to see how they yeah, manage all of these uh, newcomers into the squad in 2024, especially, yeah, the youngsters uh, from the university ranks. And that's uh, yet another challenge for uh, third season uh, manager Kenta Kawai. Uh, of course, he's uh, previously overseen uh, seasons of uh, 14th uh, last year, 11th before that in his uh, first season in charge. And yeah, I mean, he's been under consideration for uh, for manager of the uh, the half season uh, previously, Johnny. And um, yeah, I know he's uh, somebody that you, both yourself and Sam uh, rate highly. So um, yeah, this season I think it's going to be uh, a, a real test of um, his uh, yeah coaching ability. But uh, yeah, again with uh, with such a, a small uh, a small budget and uh, yeah limited in what they can uh, bring into the club. Um, yeah, I think they could hardly have a a better manager in charge. Yeah, I, th- I think when you, you say it like you know 11th and 14th doesn't sound that impressive, but when you consider you know r- r- rightly to consider that the Sagantosu are yeah, probably the, the smallest budget in the league, the, the smallest market t- team in the league, J- just kind of keep keeping their heads above water. I think I don't want to say patronising or anything, but you know staying well clear of the, the relegation dogfight that they were never they were never part of at any point last season. I think that that is that is success. And you know, Kawhi has helped to, to you know, someone like uh, Kei Koizumi is, is now at FC Tokyo, but you know, his, his career was, was going nowhere. And then he, he was given stability at, at Sagantosa. And Yuji Ono is another player that suffered from injuries and kind of drifting around and kind of been revived under under Kawhi. Um, you know, I've, I've, one of my students is actually a Sagantosa fan. Uh, I, did, I didn't get a chance to properly talk to him on Saturday because I wanted to ask him, but I remember talking to him and he, he spoke about Kawhi in, in glowing terms about his, his kind of relationship with each individual player. And he said he, he really understood that each player's strengths and weaknesses. And he, he's not necessarily wedded to one system or one formation. He, he kind of goes with the, the players he's got and also the, to the opposition. So I've got them kind of, I think they're going to kind of 4-2-3-1 as they finished last season in, but 
you know, he might, he might, they've got plenty of centre backs there. He might go to a back three at times, a kind of three, four, two, one. He does have kind of tactical innovations up up his sleeve, and he always he always gets his players extremely fit. Like I said, I think they've, they've topped the, the, the kind of sprints and the distance covered uh, stats. They're always near the top of those two. If they're always at the bottom end of, of some of the other stats, they, they usually do very well there. So yeah, he'll have them well drilled. And if you know, even if they do find themselves kind of in the bottom three or, or in and around that that zone, I, I don't think too much blame will fall on Kawhi. I, I think they've been up. The second toss have been up fighting against the odd trip for a long time. That they're due to have a bad season every, every now and then. So you know, he, he's a highly thought of coach, and uh, yeah, I, yeah, there can't be too many people that the, the fans would rather have in the hot seat at the moment. I, I think yeah, he's a good coach to have, and you know, he, he's got the same birthday as me, so I can't I can't be hating on him. Indeed, indeed. All right, well, I'll come straight back to you, Johnny, for your one to watch. A lot of uh, interesting names in this squad, and uh, you might have plucked one out of thin air. I'm not sure, or it might be a, a player um, already established in the squad. But, yeah, who are you looking forward uh, to watching in 2024? So, uh, again, a, a nod of the, the hat to, to Sam Robson, who, who I believe was uh, only only injury robbed him from being right on the money with, with uh, picking out Ayumu Yokoyama last year. He joined um, from Matsumoto Yamaga after scoring a few goals in, in J3, and then he, he quite promptly picked up an injury. But at the back end of the season, he, he came in, and I think he was a, was a sub for the final 15 games and picked up four assists, but mainly from the from the left wing. And I remember, I think, in the mid-summer when I was I was doing the solo pods, he, he was very unlucky to, to, to not get his debut J1 goal against uh, Fukuoka in the derby. It was ruled, ruled offside. Um, but a very lively player, he... If they do play like in a four-two-three-one, he can he can feature in any of those positions in the in the front four. He's been involved with with Japan at age level, and um, yeah, if he can start adding adding goals to his assists, that will be absolutely vital. And um, for, for Tosu, really like his energy, really like his attitude. So yeah, Ayumu Yokoyama is is my one to, to keep an eye on at, at Sagan Tosu this season. What about yourself, Ben? Well, uh, regular listeners might not be surprised to hear me mention uh, Fuchi Honda, Johnny. Um, unfortunately, he was injured in match day 13 last year and didn't finish, uh, didn't feature again uh, in the league. But um, yeah, when he was around, his um, his quality was evident. Three goals in uh, 12 league appearances last year after five in uh, in 24 in the previous season. So. Well, when he's available, he's um, yeah, he's uh, extremely. Uh, extremely valuable for Kawhi and um, yeah, always been a favorite of mine since he broke into the team and uh, yeah, hopefully he can stay fit and prove himself over the course of a full season and, uh, and then transfer to FC Tokyo for, uh, for 2025. Um, If um, yeah, if, if all things work out and uh, my devious plan comes to fruition, Uh, we'll see, but uh, yeah, Fuchi is uh, yeah, for me, always one to watch and um, he's, decided to switch from the uh, the number eight kit to the number 10 now that uh, Yuji Ono's gone. So uh, he's uh, he, that's his uh, second straight season. He's changed his uh, his kit number. Now he's number 10, and uh, we'll see what he can do with that number on his back as we wrap up the uh, the, the prospects for Tosu for 2024. I wonder, Johnny, could this be the year the clock strikes midnight? Uh, they've been 11th or lower in five of the last six seasons. And, well, yeah, I guess with the, the league expanding to 20 clubs, they would probably fancy their chances 
of there being at least three clubs worse than them uh, in the top flight this year, especially with all the um, the, the nous and know-how that they built up behind the scenes uh, over the course of their time in J1. But, um, yeah, I don't think this is going to be the smoothest season that they've ever had in J1. So, they uh, yeah, they might start to feel the heat at the various times of the season. But, um, yeah, I'm banking on their... Um, the, their top flight experience coming to the fore when it matters. So I won't have them in my uh, the the bottom three of my JPRED. But yeah, I'm thinking that um, yeah they might be looking over their shoulder anxiously at uh, at times this year. What's your uh, overall prospects for them? Yeah, very similar to you. It's maybe slightly more slightly more on the negative side. I I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them like, slip into that that bottom three. And if they do survive, I don't really see them getting out of the bottom five, five or six. I think yeah, the last couple of seasons they've started well. You look, look obviously last season they had a terrible first game of the season, but overall they started picking up points quite quickly after that. So mm, yeah, yeah, I think if they're if they're in bad shape coming to the midpoint of the season, yeah, I think they're in a bit bit of trouble. Um, and then there's obviously the potential to lose some of the more promising players as well in the, the mid-season transfer window. So. I'm going to come back to Tosa slightly. I think we've got a question about Shonan, Shonan in the, the next pod that I'll, I'll maybe link to, to Tosa a little bit. But overall prospects, I think I think there'll be many people's J-Pred in the bottom three. And even if they do survive, I don't think it'll be by, by a whole lot. All right, then. So, um, yeah, very interesting campaigns ahead for both the Kyushu clubs. Uh, Avispa Fukuoka trying to uh, match or better last season's uh, terrific campaign. And, uh, yeah, Tosu, after slipping down a few spots in the table last year, will, uh, yeah, will look to uh, reinforce and, um, yeah, nudge their way back up the table. But as uh, we both said there, uh, we do have uh, slight relegation fears for them but uh, we shall wait and see all right then so we'll leave it there for this uh, episode 3a of our uh, j1 season previews uh, johnny tremendous stuff and uh, look forward to to heading up from uh, from kyushu up to kanagawa for our next episode yes it's, it's a week of k isn't it kyushu and kanagawa so yeah fukuoka and, and tosa are two two fantastic teams and uh, as usual you know we're, we're thinking like, how, how can we talk for so long and there we've got, we've got an hour's worth of material out of it so th- thoroughly enjoyed that and yeah i'm really looking forward to the couple of guests we've got coming on um coming on in the next episode and t- talking to the guests uh, with yourself so so thanks very much Fantastic stuff again, Johnny. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, that's it for this episode of the J Talk podcast. Uh, Johnny and I would like to, well, thank Daniel for making himself available initially. And uh, yeah, we look forward to catching up with him, as we said early on uh, in the new campaign. We'd like to thank Brett and Sam for their questions in this episode. Uh, We'd like to thank our newest patrons, uh, Fabienne and Filippo, for coming on board both of them were straight into the uh, Patreon-only line group. So, uh, yeah, absolutely tremendous to get them on board and in the group and uh, chatting away already. Uh, if you'd like to get involved, uh, please visit patreon.com slash jtalkpod. And, uh, yeah, we'd like to thank, obviously, all of our patrons for their ongoing support. And listeners, we'd like to thank you for listening wherever you are. We'll be back soon with our next podcast, previewing the three Kanagawa clubs. Speak to you then. Bye for now. The J Talk Podcast. Yes, 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 yes.